Well, welcome back to the Namestormers podcast, Naming in an AI Age. Uh, my name is Megan DeZalo, and this is my first time hosting this podcast. And of course, I have with me Namestormers co-founder and CEO, Mike Carr. Uh, I've had the privilege of working with Mike the last five or so years, naming really everything under the sun that it feels like. Um, so, you know, thanks for putting up with me, Mike, and having me on the show. Uh, so these next three or so podcasts are really inspired by the September 15th, this year, 2023, Harvard Business Review paper, and it's titled Navigating the Jagged Technological Frontier, Field Experimental Evidence of the Effects of AI on Knowledge Workers, Productivity, and Quality, long title there, with the lead author Fabrizio Delacroix, I hope I said that right, of Harvard Business School. So, you know, much of the buzz surrounding AI has been questions like, will AI technology replace humans? How much of an impact will AI have on people's jobs? How much can it really replace what humans can do? So, Mike, this is a lengthy 58-page paper. Could you explain to us or give us an overview of this paper? What is this so-called jagged technological frontier and what did Boston Consulting Group discover about the effects of AI on, you know, work productivity and quality? Uh, that's a great question, and I'm not sure I can answer all the things that that question implies. I think there's great angst amongst creative communities in general. A lot of the agencies that we work with, um, a lot of the naming folks that are out there that are competitors of ours that we've had a chance to talk to or have discussions with, you know, everyone knows that AI is something that perhaps should be taken advantage of to a greater or lesser extent. There's still a lot of consternation about how much impact is this going to have. Some of the initial trials have been pretty disappointing. But what this paper does, and we've tried to spend, I mean, we wrote the, one of the first AI algorithms, it wasn't called AI, in 1986 for a DOS-based PC program for naming. So we've been messing around with technology like this for a long time. And we sort of had the same opinion I think everybody else has had up until ChatGPT launched last November was that it's it's a pretty good tool. Um, it improves certain things. It might have the greatest impact on the lower level uh, skills, you know, the routine tasks, the things that can be automated. But it's just woefully lacking on anything that's even remotely close the human intelligence, to the true understanding of the nuances when it comes to a brand and the targets and what makes for a great name and how you craft a name. But the thing that this Boston Consulting Group study revealed, and they went out and they had over 700 actual consultants um, go through the paces on a variety of different tasks. Some were the control group and some had some training and some had no training and, you know, whatnot. So they had different types of, of groups that had different levels of exposure. And the big takeaways that to me really opened my eyes was they saw pretty much across the board an improvement in performance. Now, this is not routine clerical type folks. I mean, you think about the Boston Consulting Group as one of the most premier storied consulting groups in the world, uh, hire very, very smart folks like some of the other high-end consulting groups, whether it's McKinsey or Deloitte or whomever. You know, those folks at the very top when it comes to IQ and analytical skills, and for them to just start using AI without a whole lot of prep 
and see some pretty dramatic increases in a variety of areas really surprised i think the researchers and this was a, a group a joint paper uh, the authors included folks from harvard mit wharton and warwick so these are top-notch business schools too right so this is not a slack group of researchers and from what we can understand it looks like they really do did their due diligence so I think everyone has to take notice in what we're trying to do, just because we've always sort of been technical geeks. And Megan, you know this more than, than probably others do, because you work with me and you're not coming to the table with all this code nerdy language, is that we really try to understand this. So it's a big deal. And, and we think it, if, if, you don't, if you don't get your feet wet now, if you try to stay on the sidelines, and wait for the next generation, because of course there's always a next generation. I mean, yesterday, which was September 26th, uh, Microsoft announced that you could download your Copilot for Windows, not for Office 365. That's coming in November, and some people are saying they're gonna charge a lot of money for that. But anyway, the Copilot for Windows 11 is free. So we downloaded it last night. We haven't started playing with it yet, but some of the things that we saw in some of the, the demos look pretty exciting. And it's this idea that, look, not everything's going to improve a naming process or a branding process or a strategy session, but there are definitely some things in there that we all need to be aware of. So I don't know, Megan, if that answered your question, if you want to ask in a different way, but that's a little bit of our initial take on all this stuff. Yeah, so let's talk about this direct and significant impact, especially when it comes to creative agencies like ourselves. Like, are we terrified? Are we obsolete now? Or what What kind of impact are we talking about? Uh, what the study said, and, and I think it's nice to frame this in something that actually has some statistical validity and some data behind it versus just personal opinion, because I have all kinds of personal opinions, most of which are wrong. But at least the study comes across. They said for the the below average consultants, right? The, the, the newbies or the consultants that didn't have, you know, the decades of experience. They are the ones that had the greatest improvement pretty much across the board, you know, up to around 40, 45, 43%. The more senior, the, the folks that really had already the expertise and the knowledge, they didn't see as, as big an impact. It was like 17%. But when you think about a high-end consultant, that's making mid six figures and you're making them 17% more effective with those client engagements, that's a big deal. And then on the low end side, uh, you know, low six figures in terms of compensation, uh, but a 40, a 43% increase, that's also a big deal. Another thing that was interesting about the paper is they characterize consultants and just the impact and the way to think about using AI is either, either as the mythical centaur, you know, the half half human, half animal, right, or the the sci-fi cyborg. <laughs> and, and I was a sci-fi fan, so I can identify a lot more with the Borg and the cyborgs. But anyway, yeah, I had to like look these up. I was like, I know I've heard of these huh. before, but I need this visual in my head. And once I saw the visual, I understood it. So yeah, explain to us the different approach between centaur and cyborg. All right, and and I'm not sure I've got this right, but I think I think it helps just for anyone that's listening. A centaur is sort of, you know, half half is human stuff and then half is wild beast stuff. And so it's this idea that you 
you silo AI, right? So that you might use AI for a very specific task, right? Like doing competitive research. And then you use your skill set to come up with the names, right? That, that you don't necessarily merge the two together seamlessly, but you sort of pick, hey, AI is really good at doing certain things. And we all know it's pretty good at doing research. Now it hallucinates sometimes, you have to be careful, but in general, that seems to be one of the early areas that AI has been shining across the board is it's, it's pretty good at finding things that human researchers either miss or it takes them a lot longer to find. But it's this siloing idea. That's different than the cyborg. The cyborg is sort of much more of this seamless integration that you're, you're trying to integrate AI into a lot of the everyday thinking and tasks that you do. So you're there doing research right alongside AI, or you're doing name generation right alongside AI. I was actually doing this last night. I was running you know, Google's Bard because Gemini is not out yet. They promised Gemini next month, and that's supposed to be a big step up from Bard. So we'll see. <laughs> and then I was using ChatGPT Plus, and I was for two different clients. I was running different queries. And of course, prompt engineering is a thing you'll hear a lot about that if you're a good prompt engineer, you're going to get a lot better results, whether that's for research or creative or whatever. And I'm not a great prompt engineer. I'm probably an okay prompt engineer when it comes to names. But what was so interesting to me is I was comparing the results to what our creative team came up with. And I was also trying to use some of the thinking that our creative team came up with to feed it in right. to these two AI engines to see what, what they came back with. And I'm biased. And I think though, honestly, our creatives did a much better job than either one of these did. But what was interesting, even though 90, 95% of the stuff wasn't very good, there were a couple names that both ChatGPT and Bing came up with that were variations on ideas and paths that we had gone down, but it sort of took it a little bit further. So right. I actually submitted those last night to one of our trademark screeners. And if it passes, we'll actually include those in the results as not necessarily something that AI generated by itself because the prompting was really important. We already had some roots and some themes and some things that we knew were going to resonate. But it's that idea that as a cyborg, you're sort of integrating AI as part of that creative process, as part of that research process. And for us as a naming agency, I think that's going to be a more effective use of AI for us going forward than as the centaur, where we just try to use AI sort of by itself to do certain tasks, like maybe you know recording this podcast, summarizing it, and then creating a transcript, which AI is pretty good at, versus actually then having an editor come in there and even improve what the AI transcript, the AI summary is. So I think going forward, that cyborg uh, approach is gonna be better. And that's probably where we would see the greatest impact, I think in performance and giving our clients even better creative and either even better stories and some of the other things that we do for them. Yeah. And there's been a lot of talk about how there's a lot of, especially in the creative businesses and agencies, people are kind of turning a blind eye to AI, to AI in general. They're just kind of like, nope, nope. It's just, it's here today. It's gone tomorrow. We're just going to keep doing what we know what we're going to do. Humans are better than AI, but I've started to quickly realize this is, and we're, this actually gets into next week's podcast episode where we're talking about, you know, is I the new electricity? 
But I have realized, you know, I kind of even started more of as the centaur of like, I'm going to use AI just in this box, just in this area. But I have found that the more that I've used it, the more ideas that I have of, oh, why haven't I tried using it for this part of my task or this part of the business? Or I wonder what kind of ideas that this could give me. And so I've started to develop more confidence in kind of becoming more of a cyborg. And I'm seeing the benefit at Namestormers. Um so what are some other things that have worked well or what hasn't worked well um, for naming specifically? You've already kind of gone into this a little bit. Um, you know, we do researching as well. Um, I know Kay has started to use some of this in our name testing and our name research. What are some other ways in which we are becoming a cyborg? Right. So for anyone that does naming, whether you're a naming agency or you're a brand manager and you do naming internally with, you know, your own creative team. Um, you know, there's steps you go through. And so we've tried AI in a, in a variety of these areas, right? So one of the first steps is that initial strategy session, um, trying to come up with that big picture, you know, better understanding of the targets, you know, what, is, what are our key points of differentiation, the SWOT analysis. Megan, I know you went out and you did a SWOT, SWOT analysis for a client on like half a dozen of their competitors just to see what AI would come up with and then what we could come up with. I think it's a great tool, again, as that research partner, right? That you're using it to get some initial guidance, some initial findings, and then of course, fact checking and delving a little bit deeper and verifying things. It doesn't always get it right. And, right. and sometimes it makes stuff up. For instance, another step in the process, a little bit further on down from the strategy session and the name ideation or name storming as we call it, is once you've got a bunch of names you like, you run them through legal. And we do this all the time for clients. And we're doing a very thorough you know, trademark check, common usage check, you know, linguistic culture, all these other checks, right? So we tried, <laughs> we tried AI out on this. So we put in a name and we asked it to do the, the trademark searching. And it came back with this incredible report, right? It found these hits and it talked about the companies that own them and how they were being used and why there were problems. And we were thinking to ourselves, this is fantastic. It is going to save us so much time and money. And as a result, we're going to charge our clients less money and it's going to move everything down through the process so much quicker. But of course, we checked everything. We then actually did the screening, you know, you know, using some other tools out there. And there are two major tools out there that we use. You know, one's the core search, you know, tool set, which a lot of attorneys are familiar with. And the other one's the Clarivate tool set, which a lot of those are the two major uh, databases that most trademark attorneys use. And we've been playing and using with both of them. And we discovered to our great dismay. <laughs> It was all fiction. These hits it was citing did not exist. Some cases, the companies existed, but they didn't even have those, those brands as trademarks. Most of this was just, it made it up. And it's like, huh, this was awful. So you have to be very, very careful. So I would say on the front end, definitely AI has been extremely helpful for us in some of that initial uh, research and supplementing some of the strategic thinking and trying to understand where the white space is for, for our clients, uh, you know, their competitors, you know, so if we're working on names and a brand strategy and a messaging, how to take that forward. I think it helps in the creative brief maybe and doing a little bit of that additional citation. You know, if there's something that we're, we're having trouble finding a study around or some research around, it often will find right. papers or citations. You can go out and research. Sometimes it makes them up. Sometimes it doesn't. I think on the name creative, most of the AI name generators are pretty awful right now. Um, right. I think people are just trying to make a quick buck. And I think it's turning, unfortunately, a lot of people off about the future potential of AI. I think they will get better. 
Um, they are very good probably at what we call a mashup, which is only one style of name where you take a prefix and suffix and two words, as you know, Megan, you put them together. Yeah. And most of our clients, that's not a heavy lift, right? That's a pretty obvious. The more clever and exciting names that have more of an understanding of cultural innuendo and how you bring alive a unique differentiator, a value prop, a unique selling proposition and catch the attention of the audience, the target, whether it's a Gen Zer, a Gen Alpha, a, a millennial, that's not where we've been able to find any really AI solution that's nearly as good as the creative types. Right. On the name testing, that's where it's gonna become interesting. It's not there yet, but there are companies now talking about synthetic respondents where they'll actually create um, a persona or a, a mythology, you know, you say, I want a female between 25 and 45 years old that makes between this much money and has three kids at home. They'll be able to create a synthetic respondent and for very little money and in almost no time, give you 300 completes. Now, you have to be very careful there because a lot of what we do is talk to real people and then we ask them questions about why, right? So they they react to a name a certain way. We ask them, well, you, you know why you pick that name so quickly. And, and often they don't, right? Because they react to it. In some cases though, they'll give us some insight once they thought a little bit about it. I'm not sure we'll ever be able to rely up on AI to provide that, that more in-depth understanding but it is interesting, and we certainly are paying a lot of attention to the future possibilities of AI providing at least a disaster check, right? And that's another area that AI, I think, has shined is some of the linguistic and cultural screening testing we've been doing is pretty interesting. We use in-country linguists, you know, so if you're testing a name in China, you want at least two people that can speak Mandarin, two people that can speak, speak Cantonese in China, right, that are exposed to the culture, all the media not just what's profane, not just what's confusing, but what might be a problem because from a contemporary sense, something that sounds similar, right. you know, is already out there and it's being talked about in a very different way. AI is getting pretty good at that, right? So what I think any agency needs to do and what we have spent and are investing a lot of time and money into is not replacing, you know, our team, but truly turning them into cyborgs. You know, you think about a cyborg as uh, a human, but leveraging technology. And now all of a sudden that human, in the case of the BCG study, is between 17% and 43% more productive. So it's not 10 times, but man, if we can get on average a 25% boost in our creativity and our performance and our productivity and how quickly we can deliver what our clients need, that's a big win for us. And that's a big win for our clients. Yeah, especially as a small business, when it's just a, a small team such as ours, I've already seen an increase in my productivity. And the thing that was interesting is I do use chat GPT to come up with idea and name ideas. But what I have found to be even better is for me to take some of the ideas our team has already come up with and ask chat GPT how this name could actually work. I typically know if a name is good or not, but sometimes ChatGPT can just think so much faster about how it could actually work in the real world from what a logo could look like to what are some tagline ideas that could go with it. Linguistically, as you were just talking about, how is this going to be well-received globally? Um, 
is the word versatile? Can it be expanded into other industries um, in the future? Is it memorable? I mean, it goes through all of these bullet points as to how this name could work. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I knew this was a good name, but now this is a fantastic name. This thought so much faster for me and is giving me even more rationale and reasoning for how this could really work for this client. So I'm starting to use chat GPT for more of that than I am even just the name ideation, though the name ideation is definitely a good, a good starting point. Um, well, I think that's a great example. I mean, everyone's going to have their own way to spin and leverage it. Two of the things you mentioned, though, I think are really important. Um, Dolly 3 isn't out just yet. It was announced a couple of days ago that it's going to be coming out in October. We don't know if that means next week, because today is September the 27th or in a couple of weeks. But the reports are it's a lot better, right? And, and so Dolly 3 may, may have some implications on logo development. It seems to be more of an image generator, so it might probably have more implications on you know, visuals as opposed to traditional watermark type of logos. But there are certainly going to be some, in our opinion, huge improvements in the graphical representation of a name. So you think about a logo, you think about an icon, you think about a certification seal. All those are going to be impacted, we think, in a very positive way. And, and that's that's pretty exciting. So trying to stay on top of you know, what's coming up. And I, and as you said, the more you use this, you know, you're, you're sort of getting this idea that, oh, it's going to help me understand the real potential the name has. I mean, one of the tools that we were using the other day, it parses the name into the syllables, and then it shows you the, the meanings in different languages. So you can actually get in there and say, well, okay, this prefix really works well in all these countries, except Brazil. <laughs> but in Brazil, this prefix sounds like something else that might right. raise a few eyebrows. Well, you can get to that using, you know, in-country folks in Brazil that speak Portuguese, but it, it might not be right at, right off the bat, and it might cost you a lot more money. With AI, if you can identify a lot of that stuff initially, quickly, then you can take certain routes or certain directions off the table for your team so you just don't waste time. And then everything's more productive. There's a lot less frustration at the end when some of these names are knocked out. So I, I do think there's some tremendous savings to be gleaned with just playing with this, both from a story, what's the real potential of the name, some of the things you mentioned, Megan. So thanks for that. Yeah. So then I have one question, I guess, to finish this off. If you are a small business, a creative agency um, like us, what, who is exploring AI, exploring how they could use this in their business, how they might adopt this, but it seems intimidating or scary? Like what, where do they start? What's one tip that you have and one place to start from since you are kind of a, a pioneer in all of this, you are an early adopter. One of the coolest things about AI, and this is really, I think, one of the reasons that folks are so excited. And it came out in the, in the paper, the, the Boston Consulting Group study, is it's so easy to start using it, right? I mean, OpenAI made ChatGPT available for free and for, you know, 20 bucks a month or whatever it is, you can get ChatGPT+. It's not expensive. And all you have to do is ask it a question. So anybody that can speak English, so that's how you get started, right? Pick your, pick your venue. I mean, there are lots of different models out there. Um, some people prefer certain LLMs, large language models, and I don't want to get too much into the weeds about 
how AI works and how you can use supervised learning versus unsupervised learning and what the implications of that are. And we've been looking at all that stuff. And you don't really have to understand that if you're just trying to get your, your feet wet. What you need to do is just go to Bing, go to Bard, go to ChatGPT, enter in some prompts. It's an iterative thing. The, the more specific you are with the prompting, the better, right? So you start with, well, I need a name for an ice cream. <laughs> well, it's going to give you some pretty bizarre names, right? Well, I need a, a name for a chocolate vanilla ice cream that's super indulgent and it's got nuts. It's very creamium. It's very creamy and it's at a premium price premium. point. That's a great yeah, premium. 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 There you go. This is how my brain works. All my synapses <laughs> now are overlapped because all this naming it. stuff we do. Um, but anyway, that's how I would do this. Just start using it for research. I think that's a great tool, you know, for, yeah. you know, the very first thing yeah, I put in was write a funny poem about my son that loves Pokemon. And I started out with just something personal and fun just to get a sense for what this thing could do. And it was, it was fun. So I started from a personal place and then I started to moving into the more professional space, but so next week we're going to be discussing AI and whether it's a flyby fad, which I think by this point it's, we all know that it's not a flyby fad. Um, but it's maybe more so the new electricity um, and Andrew Ng's words, which we will explore next weekend, next week. So thanks for listening. Um, and we'll see you next week. Megan, thank you guys.